Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the death of the Atlanta Falcons playoff hopes and also the Atlanta Hawks, who are still um, struggling mightily with uh, their COVID outbreak that they have within their team and uh, the results of their games this week. But um, first, we will start off with the Falcons. They are the headliner of this episode as they traveled up to Buffalo last Sunday, or yesterday rather, to face the Buffalo Bills in a must-win game to keep their playoff chances alive. It was a must-win game, plus some uh, help was needed from other teams. Um, The only way the Falcons could stay alive in the playoffs, or in the playoff hunt, rather, um, is if they were to win this game, obviously. And they needed one of the 49ers or the Eagles to lose. And um, uh, spoiler alert, neither of those things happened. Um, the Eagles and 49ers won, and the Falcons lost. So just, um, just yeah, no no shot at all for the Falcons this week because nothing went right that they needed to. Um, but um, we won't get too deep into the 49ers and Eagles talk. We will... Uh, Start off with the Falcons game and what happened up in Buffalo. It was a snowy game up there, freezing cold temperatures. I think it was around 25 degrees for most of the game and just a heavy downpour of snow for the most part. And um, so, yeah, tough conditions for the Falcons who aren't really used to playing in these these kind of conditions um, with them playing inside of a dome and um, playing down in the south where it does get cold, but... When it when uh, it gets cold, the roof is closed. Yeah, so the weather advantage definitely goes to Buffalo. That's pretty obvious, and um, that showed. That was, that was definitely a part of uh, what went into this large spread in this game. Uh, Buffalo was favored by 14 points, um, and biggest underdogs the Falcons have been all year, if I'm not mistaken. So they were plus 14 in this one, and um, all that is because the Bills are good. They're at home. It's going to be freezing cold. And the Falcons just haven't performed very well against good teams this year. Uh, so that's um, all the way into that spread. And it ended up being right on the money. Ended up being a push. The Bills won by exactly 14. So uh, they're pretty spot on with that one. Uh, but, yeah, that's all the pregame stuff going into it. So we'll get into actually what transpired in this game. Uh, the Falcons won the coin toss, and they elected to receive. So they get the ball first. Uh, They go on a little drive. They don't do much. They get into Buffalo territory, but only to the 46. So they have to punt on their first possession. And when they do, they get a huge special teams play by rookie Avery Williams out of Boise State. Uh, He makes a great play on the ball. Um, Punt returner for the Bills, can't remember his name, but he gets it, takes a few steps, and Williams just puts his helmet right on the football, just perfectly executed play. And the ball just pops loose, uh, kind of gets kicked around for a second, makes his way into the end zone. Looked like the Falcons might have recovered it for a touchdown, but the Bills actually got on it, and it was a safety. So um, pretty early in the game, with about 11 minutes to go in the first, the Falcons led 2 to nothing. <clears throat> and um, pretty interesting, this was the Falcons' first safety that they have, the first safety they've caused, I guess is what you say it, since 2008, which was the longest safety drought in the NFL, which um, that, of course, is a regular season. They have their um, infamous infamous safety against the Giants back in 2011 when that was the only points they scored in that wild card game, and they lost 24-2. to um, 
<clears throat> but as far as a regular season goes, they hadn't got one since 2008, which is pretty crazy. Um, I would have definitely said that they uh, they had one since then, but um, they didn't. This was the first one since 2008, so that was a interesting little tidbit. But Falcons got the ball back, and um, which I mean, at the time I was kind of happy to get that it was a safety seven touchdown because you know you got the opportunity to go and get more points than just the seven, so you have a chance to go up nine nothing here pretty early. Uh, but they get the ball, and it is a four and or not four and out, three and out rather. Uh, the Falcons go backwards. Matt Ryan got sacked on third and seven, um, so a pretty rough possession after a huge play, and that was kind of a theme in this game. Happened a little bit later too, um, but then right after the safety, it looked like things were going to get ugly for the Falcons because the Bills get the ball, uh, go down the go down the field immediately and score a touchdown. A pretty long drive, um, all things considered, um, on the first drive because. The uh, the Bills got the ball into the red zone, and there was just penalties on penalties and all kinds of stuff going on. So they ended up running a large amount of plays, like inside the 10-yard line. Um, looking at it right here, they ran 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 plays inside the 10 of Atlanta. And if you count the 15-yard line inside the inside the red zone, it was 10 so yeah, they were they were there for a while, and it ended up being a 15 play, six minute drive. I didn't run off too much time with the clock because the clock kept stopping, but just a ton of plays on that drive. <clears throat> and um, Bills got a touchdown to go up seven to two. Moving on from there, Falcons get the ball back and two plays, negative seven yard drive for the Falcons. Back to back drives resulting in negative yardage. Matt Ryan gets sacked on on second and ten and fumbles the ball. Gregory Russo knocked it loose, and the Bills recover at the Atlanta 18, and then they immediately go down and score. Um, Josh Allen, another rushing touchdown, and it is 14-2, um, and that'll, that ends the first quarter effectively, and it looks like this game was going to be a rough one for the Falcons after their uh, pretty good start with the safety, um, but yeah, it looked like it was going to be a repeat of that Giants game that I mentioned earlier from back in 2011, playoff game. Um, 14 to two, pretty weird score. And yeah, it, it was just, um, a very, a very, very weird, weird game. Moving on to the second quarter of this one, uh, Falcons had the ball start out the quarter. Um, they go on a pretty, pretty decently long drive, 10 plays, 65 yards. They don't get a touchdown, but they do get in field goal range for a coup. And that makes the game 14 to five. And then this is where things get, um, pretty fun for the Falcons. Um, the Bills go on a pretty long drive, get the ball down into Atlanta territory all the way to the 10. And on a third and eight at the Atlanta 10, Josh Allen throws a pick to Harmon. Um, he gets it and a huge, huge break for the Falcons as this will be the first of three interceptions of the game and their, uh, their, uh, their second takeaway of the game. So a huge break for the Falcons, um, and they actually take advantage of this opportunity as they go right down the field, five plays, 80 yards in a minute and 32 seconds to uh, score a touchdown. Mike Davis punched it in with a one-yard touchdown run, uh, but they had some uh, big plays. Kyle Pitts had a really long play, um, a 61-yarder, actually, to get the ball to the Buffalo 19 um, from the Atlanta 20. So that was a huge play, and then on um, the – Falcons just took care of it from there. Mike Davis had the touchdown, punched it in. That made it 14-12. to 12. And then 
Just a couple plays later, when the Bills get the ball back, um, on first and 10 for 37, Josh Allen throws a pass intended for Cole Beasley again, and A.J. Terrell picks this one off, and the Falcons take advantage of it again as they go down and they kick a field goal as time expires to make it 15-14 to 14 to end the half. So a pretty huge turnaround. Um, that's uh, two picks on three plays for the Bills to end the second quarter, and the Falcons were able to take the lead heading into the half, which was something that was um, not foreseen uh, how things were looking early in this game. So uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, Bills got the ball back after halftime because Atlanta got it first, and on the third play of the drive, Josh Allen throws a pick to Foyer Aluakon, and the Falcons are set up very nicely um, with a chance to add to their lead, maybe go up by eight points, and they put up what I think was the worst drive of the game, one of, one of the worst drives of the year probably, um, in my opinion, and kind of like a, I don't want to say a backbreaker because they were still leading, but I mean, once when they, it's just all downhill from here. They got the pick, Foye Luke on his second pick in as many weeks, but they have their several great field position. First and 10 at the Buffalo 25, and the first play, handoff Cordero Patterson, minus three yards. Um, then Atlanta has to call a timeout, because they were, couldn't get it off for the play, so they had to burn a timeout with 13 minutes left in the third. Then Matt Ryan gets sacked for a four-yard loss, and then uh, Matt Ryan throws an incomplete pass to Mike Davis. So right now they're 4th and 17 at the Buffalo 32-yard line, and I'm thinking they're kicking a field goal. Um, one thing that is notable is that the wind was blowing towards the Falcons when um, – before who would be kicking this field goal so he'd be kicking against the win which is not great this would be about a 50 yard field goal which is definitely in Koo's range but I guess Arthur Smith did not have faith in Koo against this win which I guess is reasonable so he brings out the punt unit on fourth and 17 at the Buffalo 32 and they ended up taking a delay of game to give uh, Thomas Morstead more space to kick it so yeah, I did not like this at the time. I still don't. It's not like super, super egregious, I don't think, um, because of the wind for stuff for Koo. But even like, it's there. you're at their 32. So you could like go for it. Honestly, I know it's fourth and 17, but you could throw a screen past Cordero Patterson. It's not impossible that he gets 17 yards. And even if he doesn't, let's say he gets 10 yards, that's the ball at the 22. That's like, where you would punt the ball to, and they that's like fine. You're okay with giving giving them that field position, um, but instead they don't do that. They don't even try the field goal because even if you try the field goal and you miss it, it's still they have the ball to 32. It's nothing insane if you miss it. I just didn't like that. I think it was just very passive. I mean, just try to do something because even if you miss the field goal or you throw an incomplete pass on fourth and 17 or something like that, they're still only getting the ball at their own 32. Like, that's fine field position. You can live with that. But they don't. They elect to take a delay a game and punt it, and Morstead punt, hits a touchback, and it's they just get the ball to 20 anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's I mean, whatever. I mean, it's it's just kind of kind of dumb. It was kind of annoying that they did that, but I digress. Um, but, um, yeah, that was the end of the Falcons' magic, all the turnover magic. The Let's see, they had what was it, th three interceptions on five Buffalo Bills play, so pretty rough stretch for Josh Allen, I'd say. Uh, but that the fun ended right there. Um, Buffalo immediately goes down the field, 11 plays, 80 yards, uh, touchdown, 
<laughs> to make it a 22-15 game after they get the uh, two-point conversion. Uh, Devin Singletary um, rushed a six-yard touchdown in for the score. Then Josh Allen got to Cole Beasley for the two-point conversion. Falcons punt. Nothing going there. Then the Bills go and score again to make it 29-15. to I believe it was Devin Singletary again that got this one. It was. And then um, we'll put a put a bow on this game with a pretty hilarious final possession for the Falcons. Um, this this was just um, I mean the Falcons the game was kind of out of reach at this point, but I just want to talk about this anyway because it did have an effect somewhat on the game. Um, but this is just hilarious. Okay, so here's the situation. Six minutes left in the game, 6.07 to be exact. Second and goal at the Buffalo seven-yard line. Matt Ryan scrambles to the right, seven yards for a touchdown. He gets a taunting penalty for jawing at one of the Bills' defenders. I think it was, I think it was Poyer, I believe. It was either Poyer or Micah Hyde, but he was jawing at him. Um, I read a little bit of lips, things I can't repeat on here, but he was jawing at him after the score touchdown. And at the time, Matt's thinking it's 20, this might be 29, 22, six minutes left, we're in this game. But they look to, they look at the touchdown like they do with every touchdown to see if Matt broke the plane. And they say that he didn't. And so they marked him down at the one yard line and um, they threw a flag. And the flag, the flag they threw is now enforced from the one. So that backs the Falcons all the way up to the 16-yard line. And it's also um, a loss of down. It's third and 16. Matt Ryan throws two incompletions, turnover on downs, and that's effectively the game. Um, just a pretty Falcons ending to this game to wrap it up. Um, I mean, and it was, it was Jordan Poirier um, that was... That they got the flag. Um, that Matt was jawing at to get the flag. Um, but I mean, boy, you don't really see that out of Matt too often. So he was definitely fired up about something that the Bills said, and I liked it I, at the time when he did it. I was like, okay, Matt, like, all right, I see it. I mean, I, I don't know if that was really um worth a taunting penalty. I mean, they'll call it taunting penalty anything, but it's just jawing. He didn't like do anything physically to the Bills. He just. He said um, a few magic words, and I guess the ref overheard it and threw the flag, which I don't love, but, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter that much because the Falcons weren't going to win this game. I'm not going to talk myself into that. That's just That just wasn't going to happen. But it was just kind of a funny way to end the game and a funny way to kind of end uh, the playoff hopes for the season. Um, but, yeah, that's it from Buffalo. Uh, pretty pretty Falcony game, I'd say. I mean, they had... They had their little magic stretch at the end of the second quarter and to begin the, the third, but the horseshoe fell out shortly after, and they fall to the Bills 29-15 to and fall to 7-9 and on the year and miss the playoffs, which wasn't um, isn't anything groundbreaking. This team was not supposed to make the playoffs. The team was actually supposed to be worse than they are record-wise. Um, so yeah, not going to, not going to sit here and just moan and groan about the missing the playoffs. Cause it just wasn't going to happen this year. Um, this team has a lot to play for next week. I'll get into that in just a second, but, um, yeah, this game, this game was uh, kind of fun for a little bit, but got pretty ugly towards the back end. And yeah, we'll move on to next week's preview of the Falcons, their final game of the year against the new Orleans saints. So 
lay out the scene for this one. The Falcons still have a lot to play for next week, um, even though they do they did miss the playoffs. They have the Saints, and um, now I'm looking at now they actually got their game bumped up to 425 instead of one, which I I like that a lot. I'm glad um, that they're not playing at one o'clock anymore. But um, yeah, Saints Falcons in Atlanta. Um, if the Falcons win this game, they will eliminate the Saints from playoff contention. So here is the uh, the the situation is the, fa- the 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 Saints need to beat the Falcons, and the Saints need the the Rams to beat the 49ers for them to make the playoffs. So if those two things happen, the Saints will grab the last wild card spot and go to the playoffs. So um, let me look at the game times real quick and see what time the um, Rams and Niners play. That that definitely plays a part. I'm assuming that they're probably going to play at the same time. Um, 49ers Rams is at 4:25. So yeah, both games we played at 4:25 simultaneously. Saints need to win and the 49ers to lose to get in. So the Falcons can end the Saints season with a win at home on Sunday. And you know, with the playoffs being off the table, that is about as much as you could possibly play for if you're the Falcons. Um, the Saints open up right now as four and a half point favorites on the road. Um, so yeah, the Falcons beat the Saints earlier this year. Uh, with uh, Trevor Simeon at quarterback, um, but now they they've been running out Taysom Hill every week. They just got a win against the Panthers. I don't think the Saints are very good, um, but I think a lot of this going into this is the Saints have been pretty good on the road this year, and the Falcons have been very bad at home. So that's going to play into it. And I think Vegas probably thinks the Saints are just a little bit better than the Falcons, which I mean I can't really blame them that much. But I don't think the Saints are good, and I think this is a very winnable game for the Falcons. I really do. Uh, so, yeah. Definitely as much as you can possibly – you have as much as you can play for without having a playoff spot on the line for the Falcons. This is what – this is this is a good consolation for not having um, playoff hopes alive going into the last week. You can end your arch-rival seasons in your home in your home stadium, and, yeah, they're, they're going to throw everything they have at the Saints. They have a lot to play for as they can ruin their rival season. And I'm pretty excited for this game, honestly. Um you know, I would love to send the Saints home with their tail in between their legs. Or if we can't get it done, I pray that the the 49ers can beat the Rams because, boy, I mean, the Saints aren't going to make a deep run or anything. Um, <laughs> those could be some famous last words right there. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the Saints can make a deep run in the playoffs. So I just don't want them to make it just so they don't have the gratitude of beating us and going to the playoffs. Um, and yeah, if the Falcons beat the Saints, they'll sweep them for the year, which um, I don't think that hasn't happened in a while. I'd have to go back and look the last time the Falcons swept the Saints. Uh, so yeah, big game next week for the Falcons. So we'll be looking forward to that one. And uh, that'll do it for all the Falcons talk. And now we'll move on to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and the COVID storm continues in Atlanta. Um, that. That's just kind of uh, still the main topic of conversation uh, for the team. I mean, just all of the all of the COVID that they have had, and the COVID that continues to be with this team. Uh, so yeah, we'll start off with the first game of the week against the Bulls um, on Monday. They had two games against the Bulls this week, uh, one on Monday and one on Wednesday. Um, in this game, the Hawks were still without. John Collins, um, they had Bogdanovich back. Without Collins, without Kongwu, without Lou Williams, um, who am I missing? 
uh, without Kevin Herter. All those guys are still out. The starting five in this game was Trey Young, who was back, who was kind of a uh, kind of a, like a late call to be into this game. He cleared protocols pretty late into the afternoon, so he was able to like kind of come in at the last second right before the game and play, and I played pretty well. Um, but yeah, they got Trey back in this game, which was huge. That was the that was the headliner coming into the coming into the game. Um, so the starting five went as follows: Trey Young at point guard, Bogey at two. They went Cam at the three, Shawnee Brown at the four, making his Hawks debut and starting, and a uh, Clint Capella at center. So we'll get into Shawnee Brown real quick. Um, last episode when it came out that Collins, excuse me, when Collins had COVID. And um, they didn't really have any other options at power forward. I said it would be interesting what they were going to do at power forward. And looking at the roster and seeing what they had, Shondi Brown is like the only power the only power forward they have on the team without Collins right now. Um, you know, they have like guys like Malcolm Hill, who I guess you could get away with at um, power forward if you want to play really small. He's another ten day contract guy. This is what they had at the time, and but like he that that was just um that just wasn't gonna work. Um, Shawnee Brown, he isn't like a traditional power forward. He's a little bit smaller too, but he has played power forward too in the league this year with the Lakers and in the G League. So that that's that's just kind of what they went with small ball with Shawnee Brown. They could have went with Malcolm Hill, but um, they decided to go with Brown instead. So he was at the four. Cam at the three, Capella at center, and um, Falcons, or not the Falcons, the Hawks' offense in this game was pretty solid. Um, they scored 118 points, Cam Reddish had 33 points, Trey had 29, Bogey had 20. Um, not super-duper efficient from um, field goal, but they were really good from three. They went 15-34 from three, that's 44%, which you'll take that every day of the week. And um, yeah, but just 45% from the field goal, from field goal isn't great. And on the fl- on the other side... The Bulls shot with their heads on fire all game. They shot 54.3% from the field and 48.6% from three, which is um, kind of outer world, outer outer worldly good. They were not missing in this game. Um, and that goes for kind of everybody on the roster. DeMar DeRozan, 14 of 20 and 2 of 2 from three for him, who is not a great three-point shooter. Levine shot 50% from the field, but 5 of 8 from three with 30 points. Um, Vucevic um, went four of eight from three, and he had 24. So, yeah, the Bulls were definitely shooting a little bit above their heads, but the Hawks' um, defense, especially on the perimeter, kind of been the problem all year, just not great point of attack defense for them all year. Um, and that definitely showed up in this game um, with a little bit of a, with a combination of um, with uh, the Bulls just being hot is not going not gonna to end well, and that's how the Bulls scored 130 points in this game. And just kind of blistered the Hawks every quarter, and they just really couldn't do anything about it. Um, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. But when you sometimes it's going to happen when their team is just on fire. But um, when you're not playing great defense on top of it, it's just going to it's just going to make it even worse. And that's obviously what happened in this game. The Hawks lost one thirty to one eighteen. Um, you know, like I said, the offense was not the issue in this game. Cam had another really good game, and he was on fire from three, eight of thirteen. Uh, that was a career high in threes for him, and he had that like midway through the third quarter. His career high was six, and um, he had eight. Trey in his return, um, he wasn't Trey Young all caps, but he was still 
pretty solid in my opinion. 29 points, um, 9 assists. Not super efficient shooting, 8 of 23 and um, 1 of 6 from 3. But he made twelve. He made all 12 of his free throws, which is always a positive. And, you know, it wasn't, most, wasn't his most efficient night, but still definitely a, a positive offensively. And then uh, Bogey, he had a pretty good night, 20 points, 4 of 9 from 3, uh, 7 of 15 shooting. He was fine on offense. His, his main thing is just his defense kind of continued to be brutal, and uh, that trend continued in this game. So Hawks get uh, kind of smacked around by the Bulls in game one of their kind of home-and-home. So they go to Chicago on Wednesday, and it is a bit of a repeat performance and it's kind of kind of crazy how close the scores were. Um, game one against the Bulls, they lost one thirty to one eighteen. This one, they lost one thirty one to one seventeen. So, Bulls add a couple of points to their victory in this one, and it's just kind of um, kind of a repeat performance in a lot of ways. Um, I will say in this one, unlike Monday's game, the Hawks were kind of out of it earlier than they were. Um, they were much more competitive in Monday's game later in the game. Um, but uh, yeah, that um, that didn't really happen in this one. Uh, big news coming into this one was that Bogey um, tested positive for COVID, so he was out, which is just um, just just more of a unluckiness from COVID protocols from the Hawks. And that's another thing to note. I didn't really get into it deep into the COVID stuff in game one. The Hawks roster is just absolutely decimated, and I know people are getting frustrated with them because they keep losing. And I just don't think that they understand how rough of a situation this is that they have going on. Um, they have no depth. Their bench right now is bad. And even some of the guys who are going to start are just not NBA starters. Like they had to start Shondi Brown in this game. Um, they started Skylar Mays in this game, who has spent a majority of the year at College Park in the G League. Um, he's actually been playing well lately. And I like Skylar Mays. Um, I think he's a good player. But he's just not—he's not a starter. He's just not. He's a—he's a guy that definitely has some upside as a bench player. Um, but their bench in this game: Malcolm Hill, um, Cam Oliver. There's all these guys are ten day. M Malcolm Hill, Cam Oliver, Wesu Wundu, who was actually in COVID protocols. He came back, so he was available for this game. Actually played 16 minutes. Lance Stevenson, who is no longer with the Hawks, his ten day contract expired. And um, Cat Barber, who was another 10-day guy. So their whole bench is 10-day contracts, and they have a 10-day guy in the starting lineup along with Skylar Mays, who has spent the majority of the year in G League. So, I mean, the only guys that were in, like, the, the opening day starting five for the Hawks were Trey and Clint. Because yeah, you know, they have Cam, but Cam was on the bench to start the year. They're still without um, DeAndre Hunter, who is just hurt. So... Yeah, it's it's a dire situation all the way around. Um, but yeah, the Hawks they got smoked in this game, especially in the second quarter. They lost the second quarter thirty six to seventeen. Um, after they lost, they lost the first um, thirty to thirty six. So went into the half down twenty one points, um, which they were able to make a bit, little bit of leeway in the second half, but didn't didn't really get that close at all. They lose one thirty one to one seventeen, like I said earlier. Uh, Trey had a fine game, 26 points, 11 assists, not super efficient again, but he's still working his way back from COVID. He had COVID. That's another thing that people aren't really remembering is that these guys actually had COVID and they're having to come back and play NBA basketball just hours, if not like days, if not hours later. And it's just uh, kind of an impossible situation for the Hawks that they're in. And, um, you know, I'm kind of trying to overstate it just to, just to put the emphasis on how dire the situation is. Um, 
Same thing with Clint Capella. He's looked pretty gassed in his games coming back, but he had COVID. So, I mean, you know, you got to give these guys a little bit of time to adjust to having to run up and down the court for 30 minutes a game again. And that's just something that they didn't really have to do um, when they were in COVID. They're just, all they could do is sit around a hotel room probably. So, yeah, definitely just a weird situation all around. So we'll move on to the final game of the week against the Cavs, who are um, playing pretty good basketball this year. Uh, Cleveland is. They're having a kind of a surprise season in the East. Um, they're 21-16 and 16 at the moment. They just actually just traded for Rajon Rondo. A little bit off topic, but just had to throw that in there. Um, but the Hawks got a huge win in Cleveland in this game. Um, they were trailing by a pretty significant margin at halftime, actually. Uh, they trailed by 15 points at the half, which is obviously not great. But in the third quarter, they won the quarter 40-22 to to take the lead heading into the fourth. Then they tied the fourth quarter at 30, and the Hawks won 121-118. to 118. Um, I didn't get to watch any of this game. Um, this game was on New Year's Eve, so I was with some friends, so I wasn't able to watch any of this one, to be honest with you. But I did go back and I watched some of the clips from it and um, looked at the box scores and all that stuff. And um, Trey Young had a fantastic game, 35 points, 11 assists. He was great. Skylar Mays had um, probably his best game of his career with 19 points on 7 of 11 shooting and 4 of 5 from 3. That's great. Um some uh, more COVID stuff that happened in this game. The Hawks actually got Lou Williams back uh, out of protocols, and he had 14 points off the bench, which is always um, good for Lou. Um, not a great shooting night for him, but he did get to the line seven times and made all seven um, free throws. But he did go three of 12 from a uh, field goal and one of six from three, which isn't great. Um, Capella had a pretty good game, 18 points, 9-17 shooting. You'd like to see his um, percentage a little bit higher there from the kind of looks that he gets. Um, but he had 23 rebounds in this game, which is uh, quite a lot. So Clint was definitely good. Cam only played 10 minutes in this one. I mean, only had two points as he got a little banged up, I believe. Uh, Wes Wundu actually got the start in this one um, at, at, uh, at, uh, at power forward, I think. Yeah, they, they went super small in this game. Uh, so they put a Wundu at the four. Um, now they have him back and Shondi Brown um, to the bench. And uh, this was Lance Stevenson's last game as a Hawk because he his 10-day contract expired. He's now with the Indiana Pacers, and that's the kind of thing you're going to be seeing. There's going to be a lot of guys leaving and some maybe more coming in because they are on 10-day deals. But, um, yeah, Hawks got a very, very bunch-needed victory in this game. Um, though they're still super shorthanded. Uh, Cavaliers, I think they were a bit shorthanded too in this one. Um, I don't really know their COVID situation, but I do know they have a few guys on there. I don't really know off the top of my head who they have out. Um, but still, Hawks really needed this one, especially after losing three in a row. Just kind of getting smoked by the Bulls in back-to-back -back games. Being able to come back after getting smoked in the first half against the Cavs and uh, win the third quarter 40-22, to it's a huge win. And, um, yeah, Trey was spectacular in this game. Skylar Mays was really good. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I got from this one. Can't really give you too much um, insight because I wasn't able to watch this one. Um, but, yeah, very big win. And um, we'll now look ahead to what the Hawks have coming up this week. Um, Portland tonight in Portland. And they will be without Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And they were already – Portland was already struggling with, that, with those two guys. And not having them on the floor is pretty huge. Um you know, the, the Hawks 
are this is a game that they're supposed to win, especially with um, these guys out. They really need to win this game. Um, they're opening up as five and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, and I think that's pretty accurate because um, of who the uh, Hawks have available and who the Trailblazers don't have available. So the guys are still out for this game. Uh, DeLon Wright, who I forgot to mention, he went out on COVID protocols. Uh, Cam Reddish is day-to-day with his injury that he suffered against the Cavs, so hopefully he can play. But Herder, TLC, Akangwu, and Wright all still out with COVID. Um, and for the Trailblazers, Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard, Cody Zeller, Yusuf Nurkic, and CJ McCollum are all out for them. And those those are some big players for them. So, yeah, this is a game the Hawks definitely should win. And um, I think they will. I have confidence because the Blazers, are, they're not very good, even with Dame and McCollum. And I can't imagine what they're going to look like without them. So, yeah, hopefully they can pull one out tonight. And um, I think that'll do it for this episode. If you made it this far listening, I really appreciate it. And I will see you in the next one. Thank you.